Hello, Tracy Middlebrook here. A brief note before we begin. In this episode, we reference several plot points from Outlander. If you are unfamiliar with the book or show, or could just use a refresher, please download and listen to our Plot Summary Addendum podcast, and that will get you up to speed before we begin. Otherwise, feel free to dive right in, and if we ever mention a plot point you don't remember, you can just assume that we're right and agree with us. Enjoy! Welcome to Everything That's Wrong with Tracy and Reagan. I'm Tracy Middlebrook. And I'm Reagan Middlebrook. We're sisters and enthusiastic observers of media, art, politics, and the world in general. But sometimes things are the worst and we have opinions about it. So today we're going to talk about everything that's wrong with Outlander on Stars. Right. Because apparently adaptations are our favorite thing to complain about. Uh, it's easy material. <laughs> Because we care a lot about being a product, quality product. Actually, to be fair, I'm I'm excited about this. I uh, when the TV show came out, had so many complaints, but didn't know anybody else who was watching the show and had read the book. I know she sent me such long emails. Like I had never even watched the show yet, although I did read the book back in the day. But like I just went was going back through them, like paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs of notes that she just wrote to herself and then had to share with me because she had to share with someone. Right. And and initially, I couldn't find even any blog posts that agreed with me. So that was extra frustrating. I have since. Lots of people agree with me because <laughs> I'm right. right. You were right. But so, as you notice, it's been more than a month. Reagan got a new job. Life happened. Perhaps our schedule was a wee bit ambitious. <laughs> but that's okay. We're here. You've missed us. Have you missed us? I've missed us. Oh, good. <laughs> That's adorable. Okay, yeah. So the Outlander series on stars. Um, I guess I do <laughs> want to kind of start with a pervert disclaimer <laughs> because I feel a little weird recording all these critiques about the sexual relations of two fictional characters. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm distracted. <laughs> As Reagan is reaching for her phone while balancing precariously this microphone and laptop setup. It's fine. It was fine. It was great. <laughs> I'm giving you- No one it... needs the glimpse behind the curtain. No, it's they great. Don't know. It's we great. We could be in our pajamas. We're not in our pajamas, but we could be. We totally could. We should do the next one in pajamas. Maybe um, onesies. That would that's be, just, that'd no, be that's great. That's the DVD making of extra. And you guys got it here. You didn't even have to buy like the fancy Blu-ray. Yeah. Our, our membership for $9.99. <laughs> oh, geez. It yeah, doesn't that's... exist, guys. Don't worry. And it never will. <laughs> if we can't even put them out monthly, there's no way. <laughs> never anyway, say never. Fair enough. Um, when the AIs so, take over, humans will need to do something to earn their keep. There we go. <laughs> so anyway, um, but the more I think about it, it's not. I'm I'm owning it. We're not perverted. And it's really a critique of the tenor of these two characters' relationships in the show overall. Some of the problems with their sexy times really exemplified the problems with this adaptation and the change to their relationship and the characters themselves. I still get that it's better than lots of the crap that's out there, and there is some female gaze stuff, but darn, it took a story that was just so far to the correct side of this issue and brought in a lot more of the traditional romance novel crap and wedding industry crap and just really dampened down Claire and I guess we'll get into that. 
So I know you have a lot to say about this topic, Tracy. I think that you should begin um, for, so slacker warning, I guess. Like Tracy said, I got this new job and it's like my dream job and I love it and I've been very, very focused on all that stuff. And so I, back in the day, I had read these, the the first, the original Outlander trilogy and books. And by back in the day, we mean the early 90s when we were in junior high. Yes. And I read them many times, three or four times, uh, and I loved them. But since then, I have only read, uh, in preparation for this, through the wedding in the original book. And then I watched the first episode of the show and then the wedding episode of the show. So my commentary is not going to be as in-depth. And I apologize, Slacker. That's that's okay. Personal history with the book. I Yeah, I found the first one when I was 13 or 14, read it loved it you know historical epics have always been a big thing with me read the whole trilogy loved them reagan read them yeah read them several times <laughs> when i heard a few years ago that stars was making a tv show i reread uh the first three books and was a little bit scandalized that my like 13 it was seventh grade so 13 year old self <laughs> was reading this uh but actually they're not that explicit like these characters have sex all the time but very rarely is it actually described in detail it's sort of like and then they had sex and that's great and there are lots of problems with the book but we're not here to talk about that at their core though before i knew terms like female gaze or any of the rest of it it was really i mean it was so refreshing to see a spunky strong female character and the reversed age demographic as Claire is in her mid-30s and Jamie's 23. And she's sort of the teacher. And even though there's a lot of really messed up old-timey 1700s gendered stuff, their relationship was always respectful and on equal footings. And I really responded to that. I don't think Claire was in her mid-30s. She was older than him, but I think by like two years. It was just like no, she was no. 25. She's at oh, least... Oh, she's 27 and he is 23. I looked it up. Oh, okay. You were right. They mention it so much in the book to make it like such a big deal that, you know, she's older. But I guess, yeah. Anyway, personally with the books, I mean, they go, there's like 20 of them now. I don't even know. I remember being heartbroken as like a 16 year old when the fourth book came out because I thought it sucked and that the author herself had lost the thread of who these characters were. Yeah. So I guess it's not surprising that as a consultant on a series... <laughs> they would miss out what what they had done. I mean, in general, I recognize that adaptations are different and should be. You know, this shouldn't be an exact copy of a book. Yeah, I don't remember if we talked about this, and I don't think we did on a previous episode, but I went to a writer's conference one time where there was actually a panel of people who do adaptations, and what they were saying was, you know, what you do is you, you find the thing that's the heart of the material, and then you build everything else around that. And it's never about being true to the original source. It's just about finding what it is it what is it about this that people love, and then recreating that in the medium you're recreating it. They used the Hunger Games as an example because that was becoming very big at the time. And so they were saying, you know, with that, when you have something that's such a big phenomenon and so many people are watching so closely, you have to stay more true to the original material. But in general, they don't even really try to be true to the material, which I guess makes sense, but can be frustrating. And especially if they pick the wrong thing as the heart. Right. Yeah, that's, I. for me, I always think of, I compare the Harry Potter with Lord of the Rings for adaptations. The first Harry Potter movie is a mess. They tried to do every single scene of the book in that fan service, and it doesn't work as a movie. A movie is different than a book. 
and it should be changed. And I personally think that the Lord of the Rings films are very successful adaptations. I think for the most part, they hit the spirit of the books, even though they made some significant changes that had a few fans upset. And there are times throughout this series that they get it right. Episode six, I think, with Toby Menzies, who's playing Captain Randall. He's great. And it's a totally new scene in which he describes the time that he whipped Jamie. And it is dark and menacing and powerful and just way more effective than it comes out in the book. And it took my breath away. And I was like, wow, maybe this is going to be okay. And then we went on to the wedding episode and I was full of just disappointment and rage. They've removed most of the female gaze, just talking about the wedding episode specifically. It's Jamie's soft-toned and romantic version of a male gaze, but it's discouraging as that was such a striking part of the novel. Especially the, in the book, there is a big scene about when Claire first sees Jamie all kitted out in his Highland regalia, and he'd always been this dirty stable boy. And he knew suddenly that he looked quite good and impressive and Claire's jaw drops and he starts laughing and, you know, gives her this sort of mocking bow about how he's at her service. And in this version, it's this stupid, soft focus reverence as a sunbeam highlights Claire in her wedding dress and he's giving this very 100% serious bow, especially it's him retelling it because she doesn't remember the wedding because she was so drunk. So in the book... It is all about what hot stuff Jamie is in his kilt. There are one, two, three, four, five paragraphs <laughs> describing how hunky he is and all of his appearance. He was a far cry from the grubby horse handler I was accustomed to, and he knew it. Making a leg in a courtly fashion, he swept me a bow of impeccable grace, murmuring your servant, ma'am, eyes glinting with mischief. Oh, I said faintly, my mouth hanging open. So, you know, Claire's like, hey, he's hot stuff, and that's great. And the way it's retold in the move in the TV series is, you know, a sunbeam comes down, shining on her. Jamie talks about how pretty her dress was, and he sweeps her about, saying, your servant, ma'am. But there's no laughter. There's no mischievous glint. It's a totally different tone. And that's... Yeah, and that's a problem with their relationship in general uh, in the book versus in the series, right? It, it was always playful, and there was laughter and humor in it, and there isn't in the series they take themselves way more seriously, which is unfortunate. Yeah, it's just a bummer. You know, part of that is the problems because the book is first person, so it's all in Claire's head, versus they try to use some voiceover sometimes, but you don't always get what she's thinking. Acting choices, directing choices, whatever... She's just much more timid and afraid feeling in a lot of the scenes, which never, I mean, she's constantly in peril in the books, which is kind of one of the issues. But, you know, she's a combat nurse. She just came out of World War II and she's still spunky about it. And I felt a lot of times in the adaptation of the series, she's whiny. All right, Regan, you share a point. Um, I mean, my points are all with the sex scene, really. So. In the book and in the show, too, right? Like, it's their wedding night, and they're up upstairs in the, the room in the hotel, and everyone's downstairs having a feast around them because they need to make sure that they actually consummate the relationship. And they're just there awkwardly, but they just, like, drink together, and, and Jamie, like, tells her about his family and his story, and they're just sort of, like, getting to know each other and get comfortable around each other. And there are some differences, you know, like, in the book, they are sitting right next to each other, like, sort of being physically close touching each other but not like touching each other in a gropey fashion but just you know sort of to get used to each other's presence during this conversation and 
in the show they don't do that but that's fine right the character of jamie in the book and the series is a superhero right like he's it's ridiculous but several times claire keeps being like wow he was so right like he was like hey we seem to be really nervous and have a hard time talking maybe touching will help come sit next to me and then you know because he's used to dealing with horses <laughs> right and they bring that up a lot is you know his horse handling skills you get to see her thoughts a bunch be like hey wow this kid is pretty empathetic and in tune and has good instincts but so when they finally consummate the relationship and jamie's a virgin and she isn't and so they do some like fumbling and it's missionary thing and he doesn't need know that he needs to like hold himself up on his elbows to avoid crushing her and so they do that part of it which is okay but like afterwards he asks if she enjoyed it and she has this look on on her face that's like no like how would i enjoy that that was like 15 seconds of thrusting and like nothing else was happening um right but she doesn't say any of that that was just my interpretation of that look then he's like, oh, yeah, Murtaugh said women don't usually enjoy it. Like he's interpreting that she didn't like it. And she says that actually she did. And then this voiceover comes in being like how she was a bigamist and a whore for having enjoyed the sex with him. Right. It's it's such a yeah, they take a such a different tone with the fact that, hey, by the way, I guess we'll have to do an addendum for plot. Because <laughs> if you don't know what's happening here, this podcast is not helpful for you. In the book. There is awareness that she is in a situation where, yes, 200 years in her own, in the future, in her own time, she has a husband. But she's sucked back in the past. And the only way to not have to be turned over to this statistic, evil English captain guy, is to marry this dude. And so she's like, well, you know, and she talks about how they, she recognized there'd been a flirtation and that that happens, that it happened during the war. But she'd never chosen to act on them before because she was married. And here she was being forced to. But the theme in this is there's so much more guilt and concern about her husband. Like she takes his ring off before the wedding and tucks it into her bodice. And then at the very end of the wedding episode, it comes, it falls out and clanks across and she's so concerned. And that, that wasn't an issue. Like Frank was still a part of their lives. I mean, Jamie believes the story that she's widowed, but she wears his ring the whole time. So at the wedding, they just put the wedding ring, Jamie's wedding ring on the other hand. Like, no big deal. And during their talks, he's like, hey, it's obviously impossible for you to not be thinking about Frank at a time like this, your previous husband. Do you want to talk about it? And I, yeah, that, did you like it? And she pauses and then she leans forward and she's like, I did like it, Jamie. And the way she even said it, it felt like a lie. It felt I like know. such pity to make him feel better. Right. And that, I, that was really bothering me too, because, because for this show to be held up as an example of like what a good relationship is like, and it's really, this is how you're starting off your sexual relationship. Like I get it's his first time. Maybe you don't want to make him feel bad or something, but like, I felt like it was such a good opportunity for, well, actually like, you know, for a teaching moment, right? Like it's better for me if we do this first, or like if, if you touch me here, or if I touch me here. You know. Right. And that and that is what happens in the book. I mean, she talks about how she, you know, was a little nervous going into this situation where he was a virgin and she had experience, but she actually really kind of enjoyed being an educator and getting to provide tips. And in the book, when he asked, did you like it? And she says yes. And he's like, oh, well, Murtaugh, you know, the dudes told me that women don't like it and do it as do as fast as possible to get it over with. And in the book, she's like, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know about women. Slow down, take your time. And that's actually better. And then she gets a little nervous because he gets this really determined look on his face <laughs> as he's like taking notes. That's adorable. And there's so much laughter and communication between the two of them during their couplings that it's such a great example of how to have a healthy sexual relationship and they don't have that in this they go with the traditional romance 
BS of the guy just magically intuits how women's bodies work. But he also doesn't, though. Like, the <laughs> second time... <laughs> so, that's the first time that they have sex, and whatever, it's his first time, and, and maybe she's, like, not saying anything yet. But the second time starts out, like, she straddles him as he's sitting on the bed, and I was like, oh, maybe maybe this will be more interesting sex. But then, instantly, like, he flips her onto her back, and it's, like, straight-up mis- missionary, and, like, all he's doing is thrusting, but Claire starts, like, moaning, like, she's really into it, and it Maybe she's one of that small percentage of women where penetration is all that does it for them, in which case good for her. But I just didn't buy it. Like, Jamie's like, does that happen every time? And she's like, only if the man is a very good lover. And like this, and, and, and he wasn't being a very good lover, though. Even if that's all that it is that does it for you, that's still not him being a very good lover. He's not being very solicitous. He's not like... Well, but also, like, that's, again... In the book, there's more to it than that. She does get off in their second coupling in the book. And, and he freaks out because he thinks he hurt her because she hollers. And so she then realizes that the guys who also had given him his the great advice so far maybe had left a few things out. So she explains about it. In this scene, she doesn't, she doesn't again provide any information because I guess women are never supposed to talk about sex. So she doesn't tell him about the female orgasm. He just somehow magically intuits that what she did was coming and then is like, No, she oh. tells him. He's like, am I hurting you? And she's, she says that it's not. Right, but I, I guess it just, yeah, it didn't seem like a lot of explanation was given. Yeah. This may have been for censors purposes, but I don't know. You know, he's like, I don't want to hurt you. You're so little. And she's like, yeah, but actually it's okay if it hurts sometimes. And then she goes on to give sort of a rough BJ. <laughs> and, Which they do a little bit. Yeah. You know, they can't show very much of that, obviously. But the most, I mean, again, like the great part of the sexual relationship in the book is like after she does that to him, he's like would it have the same effect if I did that to you? And that's completely missing from the TV show. Like, there's no reciprocation. There's no, like, enjoying and, like, exploring each other's bodies. Well, and that was kind of one of the ongoing things in the book and one of the points that yay Jamie over Frank. Because in the book, at least, it's pretty much implied that, well, she had a pretty good sexual relationship with Frank. Oral sex was not a part of it. Um, Although in the show, in the first episode, Frank goes down on her. Right, so. which was one of the great changes. And I was like, hey, this is going right, to be great. Right, this will be like, sex positive. This will be... Yeah, she's fully clothed. They're in the castle. And she's like, hey, get in here. She's owning it. I mean, she gave way more instruction to Frank than she ever gives to Jamie. Yeah. And that's just a bummer. But missing the question of him after being like, hey, that was great. Being like, hey, would that happen to you if I did that? Uh, seeking knowledge, her being a teacher, them experimenting mm-hmm. together. You know, I understand they're not saying anything the first time, but speak up now. I'm reminded of a quote from one of the producers when I read about the show before it started, who had said, and don't worry, there's going to be a lot of sex in the TV series. And there is in the first season anyway, but it doesn't It's not quantity. It's quality. Yeah, I couldn't help. I had before watching this wedding episode, I had just finished the series Good Girls Revolt on Amazon, which is an Amazon Prime series which is excellent and I recommend it. And it's about the 60s, 70s when the women at Newsweek sued their bosses. But incidental to that, there was this one sex scene that I thought was so awesome because part of like, you know, the sex scene montage that's happening was her sitting on the guy's face and like him going down on her in another scene. And it wasn't lingered on. It wasn't like, ooh, look what we're doing here with our innovative Mm -hmm. wild sex things. It was just, this is part of normal sexual things that happen between people. Well, and part of that really is producers and censors, although being on stars, that shouldn't be an issue. But forever, like the motion picture, whatever, somehow cunnilingus 
is rated R or X, but you can show a BJ no problem. And, and that's, maybe it's a uh, stars thing because I had expected since it was like a cable channel that that wouldn't be an issue. I think I remember I did not rewatch anything past the wedding series. And again, I did the rewatch back in August when we were initially going to record this podcast. So these are trying to remember. But I do remember that later on in this season, there is some of that. And they do have some sexy times continued, which is great. Although not in the friggin' second series. I'll get to that at the end of a tiny rant because Reagan hasn't seen the second series. But geez, Louise. Throughout the whole scene, Claire just feels scared and timid and a deer in headlights. And they turn everything, even the joke that, you know, Jamie thought it only happened from behind, like horses. In the book, she's like, whoa, there, son, what are you doing? And just changes things. In the series, it seems a lot more, again, scared. And I just wish that that it stopped being this damaged and vulnerable woman that needs saving BS. Yeah, and speaking of that, was another point when they're talking earlier, She's she asks him, like, why, you know, I know why I married you. Like, she she needed to marry him to become a Scottish citizen so she'd be safe from this evil British, whatever he was, general, colonel, captain, I don't know. Captain, please. Thank you. Captain oh. Black Randall. Yes, Captain Jack Black Randall. In the book, Jamie explains he wanted to save her from the captain and, and she he thought that she would enjoy him more than Murtaugh as, as the husband. But he even but changes, also, well, he, he doesn't... <sighs> In the book, I think it's more like, hey, because we're friends and yeah. I don't want you to get hurt. In in the TV series, it says something. It's because you're a delicate damsel. Yeah, but in the book also, it's not just to save her. Mm-hmm. It's also because he wanted to sleep with her and he had morals about sleeping with someone before he was married. And it's also because he is in a delicate political situation with the Mackenzie clan. He's like a, related to them, like a nephew of the clan chief. And by marrying an outlander, Sassanach, he sort of disinherits himself from potentially being in the line. He, he says that he's not a threat and there was some political interplay where like maybe he was going to have to be assassinated. Who knows? It was very delicate. And so he was saving himself too by marrying her. And that's not brought up in the show at all. At least in that episode. I don't know. Right. No, it's, I don't think they bring it up at all. Oh, the biggest one of, again, one of the biggest things that they leave out of this series. In the very beginning when they start talking, they're both very nervous because they have to consummate this marriage and there's all these people downstairs and it was kind of forced on both of them. And Jamie says, hey, look, I understand that you have some secrets, as do I. So let's make a promise now that what we tell each other will always be the truth. And if we can't talk about a thing, we'll say that. And they leave that line out. And again, it was just, ugh. You guys, he says, there were several reasons that I chose to marry you, some of which I can't tell you right now. But he does mention that, that is self-serving, that it protects his life from this really sticky situation, as well as helping her out, as well as, you know, hey, I, I wanted to sleep with you. Later on, because he's a superhero and it's a ridiculous romance novel, he confesses, you know, he's been in love with her since the first time he saw her. And that was one of the reasons, but whatever. That's it for my points, really. I've just got a couple supporting quotes in this. Yeah, just, just again, they just lose all the laughter. Oh, that's the other thing that's bullshit. In the TV series, she's asking him if he thought, if it was the way he thought it was. And he's like, well, there's one thing, but you'll laugh at me. And she's like, no, I promise I won't. And then he says, I thought you did it from the back like horses. And she laughs at him. In the book, she's like, it was really hard not to laugh at him, but I didn't. And you're just like, yeah. <sighs> Come on. There's so much laughter. They go on to make jokes about animal sex and the way different animals have sex. They just, they're playful and they're friends. And that isn't here. The complaint about the second series, as as much as the producer was like, hey, you know, don't worry, there'll be lots of sex. 
there isn't in the set. The way that this first season ends is so frustrating. It's a problematic story that they're doing, right? There's a lot of sadistic torture and Jamie is tortured and raped and broken. And then she magically heals him, whatever. But the book ends with them being okay. And they basically go down to the hot springs and they have a bunch of hot sex down in the caves to show that they're connected again. That does not happen in the series. In the series, she gives him the opium-induced fever dream so he can fight his demons, and then he suddenly wants to live again. But he still, they they aren't intimate again at all. And then on the boat to France, she confesses, hey, I'm pregnant. And Jamie smiled for the first time since he was being tortured in the dungeons. And that barf, <laughs> gag me. She doesn't get pregnant until France in the books. It's just that same stupid trope that the only way to have a healthy relationship or fulfill your life as a woman is to Well, that the way to kid. heal a relationship is by oh, having God, a child, right? right? Like, right. Yeah. <sighs> not know. true and not a good trope. You know, they go on for, for months in France in, this, in the second book, hooking up a bunch. And then she's pregnant and the plot moves on. I found a, <laughs> a woman who made a YouTube video from what we'll talk about later, but she goes through and lists like the like 18 sex scenes that were cut out of the second series that are in the book that they don't have. There's only two, I think, which is really problematic because the second series has huge problems in their relationship and they almost break up. But you have to establish that they were a really solid couple first in order for that to be tragic. Yeah. They do go on to some PTSD stuff and explore that with Jamie. And I think that is healthy and true. But you can be processing through that and still be a couple who's talking and sexual. In the book, they're sexual all the time. And they're not because he's dealing with these PTSD and all the rest of it. And there's a scene in which <laughs> Jamie comes home as he's been having to, whatever, the plot's stupid, but he's having to try to be friends with someone and they're meeting in a whorehouse to try to get some information. And he has some bite marks and scratch marks on his thighs and Claire gets jealous. And in the book, basically Jamie explains that he's this Superman again. And so, you know, didn't have sex and because he's only able to lie with his beloved wife. In the TV series, he tries to explain that while he was super horny, nothing happened. And he's saying it's because Claire just told him that that Randall was still alive. And so dreams of vengeance are now back. And now Jamie is able to have sex again. And so then they end up having sex. <laughs> and you're like, hey, that is so messed up <laughs> that the only path past your sexual assault is dreaming of violent revenge. <sighs> Come on, guys. That's not healthy or right. And it's so messed up because that is when they start having sex again. Is that he learns Randall is still alive so he can have the chance to kill him because previously he thought he was already murdered. Yeah, it seems strange. Like, I don't know very much about the people who are producing this, but I was uh, reading one article that was just talking about the season finale of season two and how um, they had removed one part of it where Jamie is going off to Culloden to die and... Uh, Claire's going back to Frank back in time but before they part they sort of like carve each other's initials into their palms so they'll remember <laughs> each other and that was taken out and the author Dana Gabaldon had posted a Facebook post being like she understood they had cut it for time but she was really sorry to see it go because it's it's a much bigger deal to be like I love you so much I want to be able to remember you by like shedding my blood for you or whatever I don't know sounds like a gothy teenage thing when I say it like that but um, <laughs> but versus just in the series they have her give him this dragonfly 
in amber yeah thing. it's just it's not it's well because they haven't established that they are this you know love that spans centuries and that they are this perfect couple and that it is that strong to really justify right. it well and and the producer in the article was saying you know they had had to make that decision really early because in filming they show her in the 40s really early and they thought that you know having the ring was that you know her wedding ring was a much more tangible real sign and they didn't need to do that other thing and to me it feels like that's not the same thing at all having a scar to remember somebody by not saying that i want that and again it sounds like a bad idea when i'm saying it out loud <laughs> but when i was reading it it sounded yeah. um like a much more serious significant commitment than just like oh i have that ring he gave me well you know the scar earned. can never be taken from you it can right. never be lost right well and well and again because the whole thing was never about the rings or the rest of it she's basically going back against her her will they found out that this war is coming and there's nothing they can do to stop it and he wants her and the baby to survive and so you know they make that choice but ugh. an overall complaint where are all of the hunky highlanders this is basically kilt porn right like it was written by a woman who'd never been to scotland and was just like hey i think guys in kilts are hot and writes this exaggerated accent into the book but basically in the book everybody's super hot all the time and that is not true of the tv series scotland's a small country perhaps the acting pool is too small but like they're not like dougal's supposed to be super smoking as well and he's not he's gross none of none of the side characters i mean a few of them are fine but none of them are hotties i mean i personally don't love this jamie either but that's that doesn't matter you know in the second book, he's a co-parent. He's a part of her pregnancy. He's there. They talk about their future together a lot. He's concerned about hurting the baby in bed. So she, again, is a teacher and as a nurse, gives him some medical information. And then they go back to having an active and happy sex life until circumstances bring them apart. And then Claire loses the baby. So, boo. Also, the actress who plays Claire, I just think she drinks weird. Like, apparently <laughs> she drinks liquid a lot. I mean, well, she does because I kept noticing it every time. She swallows funny. And it just became like this weird visual tick. And every time I was like, what's wrong with you? Why are you swallowing weird? That is not a thing I noticed. No, that's, that's, I don't think it's a thing anyone noticed. <laughs> Sorry. I just interrupted the whole flow of things and I didn't even need to and I apologize. But All right, we'll jerky. get back into the flow because it's time for Positivity Corner. Positivity Corner. Yay. Things we like. I like that they made it at all. When I I lived in LA for a couple of years, I was going to fashion school down there, and one of my roommates and I like she, she declared that it was our mission while we were in LA to get Outlander made into a movie because <laughs> we were so close. Clearly, we failed at that. There was no Outlander movie circa 2004 or so, but I like that it happened now. Right, things I like. It's beautifully shot. I, you know, the tourism board of Scotland. This has to be helping. It's <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's also rainy a lot. There are several scenes that happen indoors that are out of doors in the book that I think they had to change because it was actually raining. And there are several other scenes that aren't supposed to be rainy where they <laughs> are getting rained on as they're having their picnic on a blanket or what That's have awesome. you. Apparently a ton of people love the costumes. I thought they were really interesting. You see a lot of period pieces. You do. Although I wonder, he he comes out for the wedding in his Fraser tartan and I don't 
think it's very pretty. But I was just looking online and actual tartans aren't. They're not very. But it doesn't bright. have any bright colors. I know they don't have bright colors because you're wearing them hunting. You use them to, you know, they're <sighs> fair they're, point. Fair yeah. point. But yeah, all the publicity photos are just always in like browns, which I guess browns you know, or greens, right? And legit. a little bit of blues, legit. But, but yeah. boring. But still, good for them for authentic costumes, I guess. Okay, well, I got another positivity bit. So I don't know the actor's name. Toby Mendes, you said? Yes, Menzies. Menzies, the guy who played Brutus in Rome. I love him, and I don't see him in enough stuff, and so I was very excited to see him get to be in this. Yeah, and he's fantastic. Like, he is solid throughout. It's fascinating getting to watch him play both Frank and Captain Jack, you know. Must be fun. um, I like that they gave Frank some more scenes uh, apparently some people were very upset that he keeps showing up in the but i was like no it makes sense because there is a life happening back in our time he's really good hey in a scene you probably didn't get to full frontal male nudity which doesn't happen a lot good for them i mean it's it's toby menzies as he's about trying to rape jamie's sister cool. yay and then also pa- probably there was male nudity in the sadistic torture dungeon rapes but those aren't scenes that I rewatched because <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, those are as awful and more as you fear they are because reading about it is rough. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. Jamie and Jack in those prison scenes, things are very dark. How much of it are they going to actually show on camera and how much will kind of be left to people's imaginations? We're not pulling any punches, I think. Um, we're honoring. Uh, what what Diana has written and, and the sort of how, how dark it does go in, in that sequence. So, yes, I think um, it will be uncomfortable viewing. Well, positivity, I guess that they've removed the shit. Words aren't my friend right now. Words. What did they remove? Oh, fuck. This is way too serious for this to be this cut. You've done that part out. Okay. Um, but positivity that I for less homophobia because reading rereading right. the books like it right. was it was icky and noticeable at the time but especially now mm-hmm. even more so Frank is obviously sadistic rapist and a terrible person Not Frank. but Captain Randall yes sorry Captain <laughs> Randall uh, is is a terrible person. But it is it is treated as if that is because, because he, is he is a gay. sadist, not because he's right. Gay. Exactly. Right. The 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 buggering is incidental. It's part of the torture. Right. Yeah. And and Gabaldon, the author of the books, has faced a lot of really fair criticism for that over the years. And she wrote some spinoff side novels featuring a sympathetic gay character who does show up in the trilogy later, trying to be like, see, it's cool. But it's problematic. I mean, there's there are definitely some problematic scenes in the books with consent and other things there's a lot of beating happening children are beaten a lot claire gets whipped 10 times this is series two so reagan hasn't seen it but the casting of alexander randall is superb the kid they cast looks so much like toby menzies i had to go to imdb to see if he really was his brother and i saw they had different last names and that's where my research ended (laughs) but he was great the casting of Mary, I think, the weird little shy French girl that Claire befriends is really fascinating. The actress is great. She has a very unusual but striking look. One plot thing that I really liked that was better. In the second book and the second series, Claire ends up having to sleep with the French king in order to gain Jamie's release from prison. In the book, she doesn't tell him 
that she did that. She says, oh, he just let me out. But Jamie suspects they're having issues in their relationship and sexy times because of it. Jamie can tell she's shying away from his touch. And the solution is this strange outdoor sex scene where Claire asks to be whipped with stinging nettles. And Jamie works out his male possessive rage. And Claire expunges her guilt. And that's always been problematic. Huh. Right. So they don't do that in the TV series. And the choice they make is way better. Claire is talking to Jamie after he's been released from prison for dueling, telling him that she lost the baby and she's claiming the guilt and responsibility for the babe's death because she asked the impossible of Jamie by asking him not to have this duel with the man who had raped and tortured him. Jamie says she's already he's already forgiven her for anything she's done or could ever do. Claire says there's something else and she confesses that she had to sleep with the king to get his release. He takes a beat to absorb this info and in a really beautifully acted moment, there's tears welling in his eyes but not falling, he says, you did it to save my life just like I gave myself to Randall to save you. And that's fantastic. I mean, like, Jamie's always been a superhero character, but it's wonderful to have him be this enlightened and not a hypocrite in this scenario that his wife's honor slash sacrifice isn't more precious or not allowed than his was. Because that's one of the fights they have in the book. You know, she's like, whoa, you were able to do this for me, but I'm not allowed to do it for you. So it was it was like, oh, hey, that's refreshing. Side note, his beard in that scene is super distracting. I don't know if it's fake or if he just grows a really weird beard Aww. because he's he's been in prison for a while. But it was like, wow, this is acting so good if you looked at the top of his face. But if you looked at the bottom of his face, all I could see was crazy scraggle beard. Aww. <laughs> but... Aww. Yeah, it's just a bummer that the whole second season can't show them ever being together as a happy and sexual couple. But that's not a positivity. No, it's not. I think I'm out of positivities. I mean, it's right. it's beautiful. I'm glad that it exists. People are happy. You don't need to recap. People heard us. People heard us. I am anti-recap. I'm also anti-epilogue. That hasn't been relevant, but if it ever <laughs> is, you better watch out. Okay. Um. <laughs> yeah, take note, people who have epilogues. You're anti-epilogue? Like, you just don't... You... They're never necessary. They're never necessary. <laughs> if you told the story well, just leave it there. You don't need to explain every last little thing. You don't need to show us and then they were living happily at home ever after. Maybe in my head they aren't living happily at home ever after. You don't need to do that. Well, it it's I mean, not exciting every anymore. single epilogue in romance novels, which is not a genre I enjoy or really have read But it's not a, just a romance lot. novels. It's just ever. Right, you don't need it, an epilogue. No, but if I you meant, needed that information, you should put oh, it in the main plot. That's fair. But I meant in romance novels, the epilogue is always, hey, look, they have a baby now. Or, hey, <laughs> dear, I'm pregnant. And then he's all excited which is the same bullshit that they basically did that epilogue in the end of season one so shame on them yeah boo. Boo. <laughs> so with that <laughs> it's time for people agree with us people do agree with us <laughs> cue the theme do, 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 and then do pause <laughs> Say no more. I see we're in agreement. All right. People agree with us. Uh, Kylie Thompson on ScreenerTV.com is talking about basically us getting to see Jamie being all hot, all cleaned up in his fancy Highland regalia. I've been really good with the changes the show has made from the book to the screen because I'm aware that they are different storytelling devices. And for the most part, they've been amazing additions that have only made the story better. But because we don't live in Claire's head on screen except for voiceovers, This scene was interpreted to be more about Claire and her dress and the appreciation of her beauty by the men there. I wanted it to be about Jamie and how hot he was, and it wasn't. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, the actor looked amazing, but I didn't get the sense that Claire thought so, as she did clearly in the book. 
It wasn't a magical moment for me because it wasn't from Claire's perspective. Claire instead looks scared and hungover. Her jaw didn't drop over Jamie. She didn't see the cleaned up stable hand as something magically transformed. In the book, that first sexual experience when Claire guides Jamie, who takes the Lord's name in vain at that moment, was lost on screen. This scene didn't look like an experienced woman who knew she had to get on with the matter at hand, but was also attracted to this unsure, nervous, and completely gorgeous man. I felt Claire looked more scared than Jamie and then allowed him to fumble his way through. Claire wasn't in control, and I wanted that. It's what makes their relationship feel equal from the beginning. They're both providing each other with safety, albeit different kinds. Did Claire eventually take the upper hand in the bedroom? Yes, but she never lost the scared deer-in-the-headlights look, especially after being propositioned by Dougal downstairs. Which is a change that's just really creepy and a bummer, too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super weird. I mean, they they do the thing in the books where, like, everybody's drinking at the super party where everybody super drinks, um, and he catches her in the, in the hallway. The super party where everyone <laughs> super drinks? That's, that's my, you know, yep, yep. without context recap. And he catches her in the hall and like kisses her and up against the wall, but like saves her from being raped from some other people. And then it's like, you should leave before something else happens. And it's it's stupid and creepy, but and, and like authoritarian. But I, I it felt like it was part of the world they were trying to create. Like, this is a world where every man oh, is secretly right. a and rapist. That, and actually great change in the series after he, you know, prevents her from being raped by some drunken clansmen and then takes a kiss as his payment. In the TV series, Claire punches him in the face. And nice. it's like, how dare you? And it was like, nice. hey. That's great. I wish that feisty combat nurse who stands up for herself was, was continuing in the rest yeah. of this show. Yeah. I miss her. Yeah. So it felt like maybe the series is trying to have this be like a continuation, like his character is like a creepy lech, but it wasn't necessary. No. And again, it changes the tone. It adds a bit of menace to this. And this thing that was supposed to be Claire getting a little more safety by picking Clan McKenzie over Captain Randall now isn't quite as safe because there's this potential threat. Oh, another thing in the book that was sweet. I know this is the wrong section, but I don't care. Um, his other condition for the wedding, if, that it be in a church with a priest, that there be a wedding dress, and that they have three days together, which they eliminate from the TV show. Because they spend the next few days just on their own, out in the woods, getting to know each other again. Yeah. Or for the first time, yeah. rather. From The Outlander Smackdown, Book versus Show Part 2, by Alexandria Konstantinova Zeman. Perfect. Flawless. Flawless. She says, Claire's growing intimacy with Jamie is missing in the show because it's in her narration in the book and there's no corresponding voiceover about her slowly changing relationship to or feelings toward Jamie. I'm not saying that everything Claire thinks in Outlander is profound, earth shattering or will change your opinion of her behavior. <laughs> no, it's not. However, having watched the show before reading the book, I can assure you that leaving out virtually all of Claire's thoughts does indeed significantly change not only her own personality, but her relationships as well. Maybe many of the additions and changes didn't work because they weren't in the book. Then again, maybe they didn't work because the adaptation wasn't as good as it could have been. Yeah. Um, she also points out that the high number of people imitating the Outlander wedding in their own weddings. Oh, apparently that's the thing that's happening. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We it's good again, guys. We put these notes together a few months ago, so we're just rediscovering them along with you discovering them. Okay, so anyways, apparently now there is an Outlander wedding trend that is happening, and uh, bullshit like this is perhaps what made the producers change everything to buy into this billion-dollar wedding industry. I don't know. And yeah, tons of people are friggin' doing Highlander weddings, and that makes me sad uh doing outlander weddings rather what does it make you sad well i don't 
I don't know. I guess I'm irritated that they made oh, quieter or move the mic I'm, away. <laughs> I'm holding the new microphone too close to my mouth. I'm emphatic. I feel very strongly that the changes that they, I feel very, duh, I feel very strongly that the changes that they made to the wedding episode regarding the actual wedding ceremony itself were motivated by that profit and by. How did they profit on that? Oh, they, they're selling replicas of, oh, of they? all this crap. Yeah. Oh. As well as I'm sure there are people selling, you know, a wedding packet. You know, you can now go to different places in Scotland and get this wedding package. But I just, I mean, I don't know. I have issues with the wedding industry in general. When we have entire TV channels who are built just upon finding the perfect dress and the rest, a story that wasn't about that at all still had to play into those tropes because somehow their wedding wouldn't count if they didn't do this stuff. Nice thing. I stupid. am wedding agnostic. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's also, I mean, at this point, I, as a, as a ordained minister, have married nine people, ten people, and I've got, <laughs> and I've got a wedding coming up in April. I think marriage is important and beautiful and, and, you know, do what's important to you. That's great. I don't, I just think that from the scam that diamonds are to everything, putting the idea that you need to go into debt to throw this party is silly. It is. And the pressure. Anyway. Fuck the patriarchy. Fuck the dinosaur-based patriarchy. Yeah, that's right. That's a callback if you haven't watched our uh, Jurassic World episode. I recommend it. <laughs> right. Oh, we're juggling equipment. We might edit out this right. bit. <laughs> we broke the tablet. It's fine. It's, it's beautiful totally and flawless. Fine. I would sing for you, but the only song that I have stuck in my head is like a terrible non-song from Velvet Goldmine, which is a beautiful movie and I love it. But it's like the people at the Tommy Stone concert singing in chorus. It's not even a thing. Sorry. Oh, man. I was totally going to do the joke of like, don't sing it. We can't afford it. But we can probably (laughs) afford the rights. to. No, we can't. There's there's no money in this. No one would know. Um, One of the things that became really clear looking up articles is that people who have not read the book were actually blown away by how Mm. revolutionary and different this was because it does show some female agency and in later sexual encounters claire speaks up and people were like hey it's not you know quote unquote tv sex everybody's participating and communicating and i guess that's true but you really can tell from the reviews when people who have read the book are like oh it falls so short of the mark yeah that's interesting and kind of sad actually on huffington post um it doesn't list the author that's weird goes on and is making comparisons to this with game of thrones that a lot of people have felt that a price that we pay for excellent television is catering with strange and unrelenting specificity to the 15 year old straight male demographic and this sort of idea of like we're on premium tv and there need to be boobs in the background again yeah and this didn't do this. And the producers did really try to not have quote unquote TV sex. Why is there always a candle and a blowing curtain in the wind oh, and her back arcs beautifully and then and then that's that. Wait, so are you saying that there is always a candle and a blowing curtain and a back arcing in this or that there usually is in other shows, but in this Correct. there is not? This, in, in this there is not. Okay. A Variety article where they're interviewing more the showrunner, who is the one who had said, oh, don't worry, there's going to be lots of sex, but then totally missed it. <sighs> He's trying, I guess. He specifically hired a female director and a female writer for this wedding episode. That's good. He maintains that the reason Outlander is getting so much credit for prioritizing a woman's point of view is because that point of view has been so marginalized. When you actually restore it, people go, whoa, this is a radical thing you're doing. You're blazing new ground. Where I'm not really trying to blaze new ground. I'm just trying to tell the truth and be honest about how these characters relate. So, Well, that's that's good that they have that in their mind because especially when I was reading that article from the male producers who were, who were not hitting the mark about that romantic point, 
point, I like that at least they're trying to take guidance from, you know, put some females in, in places of power in directing the story and putting that forward. Maybe it's just the one episode, though. I wonder what it would look like if you actually looked at the research of the who directed one episode. Yeah, I do remember that, again, I didn't rewatch any of the first series, so it's been three years since it came out. But there were some better sex scenes in which they were partners and, hey, they were sexy and it looked like real healthy sex and that was nice. So good on you for doing a thing for trying it's just a shame that you couldn't hit all the points a director whose first name is metin m-e-t-i-n i do not know if that is a male name or a female name mm. they did seven episodes there is an anna who did four and then the rest of them are all dude names okay so 19 episodes by confirmed dudes seven that are ambiguous and four that are probably a lady so it's not great numbers but better than nothing i guess and honestly probably if we looked it up and compared it to all the other premium oh, channel no, tv I'm sure shows it's better than the usual yeah. but but that goes to that to the same thing representation matters and when when a viewpoint has been underrepresented for so long suddenly when it starts showing up people are like holy crap and then you get all the stupid pushback this is by Carrie Lum, writing on Paste Magazine about season two. This video is all about the book and the things we missed. Mainly the love. We just missed the love. This season of Outlander, while beautiful and full of plot, was missing something. It was missing the connection between Jamie and Claire. Now, if you've never read the book, this might not seem odd to you. But for those of us who have, it was definitely just the missing piece. In this season, we see two actual bedroom scenes, one full on and then another just implied. And that's it. Other than cuddling and praying, there's not a lot of romance in this season. In the book, when they get to France, while there's plenty of stress because they're trying to stop a war, Jamie and Claire actually enjoy their few first few months there. Here are all the scenes, she counted 16 from the book, that they would have loved to see, aka all of the times we could have seen Jamie without his shirt on. These scenes proved that the love was not dead between Jamie and Claire. There was no trauma, and while the end of the book is full of violence, the chemistry and love remains, even after all of the anger and after the death of a child. And then she goes on and, <laughs> and starts reading all of, listing all of the scenes. You were right. For the praise that they got from non-book readers in season one, there seems pretty universal backlash against season two because you don't see them being a couple. Mm. You see them fighting a lot. You see them at odds. You see Claire being pregnant by herself while she's mad at Jamie. And then she traumatically loses the child at like five or six months. It's stillborn and she almost dies while Jamie's locked up in prison. Like they, they haven't earned anything. They haven't shown that they matter enough for it to be heartbreaking when they have to choose to separate in order to save Claire's second pregnancy. This isn't really like people agree with us. This is just we agree with us because I was looking back through. Um, <laughs> we do agree. I, <laughs> I was looking back through that email Tracy sent me like two years ago, three years ago when the, the show first aired. And she had one quote from it that I thought was apropos where she said, the whole crux of this story is modern combat nurse versus old time chauvinism slash chivalry and how they learned to forge a middle path. Right. Just talking about Jamie and Claire's relationship and characters. Hey, guys. That's really good. I, I two years <laughs> so ago, I condensed insightful. this really well. Absolutely. Right. And then, and, and basically contrasting that with like book Claire as the combat nurse who's no nonsense, doesn't fear the sight of blood. And, and that actually goes along with this other quote that I have here from a Redditor named Gutter Cherry, who said, this is a story about two people who are not just survivors, but who are leaders of people. No matter what shitty circumstances, they are not victimized due to their strong character attributes. This show 
is a portrayal of two people as victims. It is written and played as such. This is the reason why it is such a disappointment and why I doubt they can eventually salvage it. This is the worst part. Right. Like the characters, you know, the thing about there not being a a lot of joy, like things happen to them and they get through it. But it's not that they are triumphing over over it or that they are pushing themselves through it. Right. And they're not finding the comfort and strength in each other. Right. It's not this coming. Yeah. 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 You got it. Gutter cherry. Gutter cherry. Oh, God. It's like when Chris Hardwick on Talking Dead has to read out Twitter handles. You just sound ridiculous. There's just no it's just okay one last thing when i was searching through our emails because again we had talked about this a long time ago i came across back in 2010 diana gabaldon the author she's crazy is this the fan fiction thing? yes yes and she went on this huge rant against fan fiction in which this these are quotes from her but pulled from an article by paul constant in the stranger okay my position on fanfic is pretty clear i think it's immoral I know it's illegal, and it makes me want to barf whenever I've inadvertently encountered some of it involving my characters. She's particularly reacting to slash fiction here. Right. Which, again, ties into right. the, the claims of homophobia. homophobia and all of that if she gets so upset that people are writing about her characters having sexy times. Gay sexy times. Right. So Paul Constance says, that's a dumb fucking thing for any author, especially an author who gets a lot of play in the fanfic community, as she does, to say. She also made some other weird claims. While not all fan fiction is pornographic by any means, enough of it is that it constitutes an aesthetic argument against the whole notion. And Paul Constant says the punchline to that particular complaint (laughs) is that Gabaldon writes pretty porny books herself. (laughs) But the best part is the reason that Gabaldon started ranting against the fan fiction. And this, like, she's a terrible person, apparently. Or at least she's a... Not a thoughtful or empathetic person. Recently, a couple of people have drawn my attention to a person has been posting on various boards about fundraising for an uninsured friend who has breast cancer. Her, the poster's idea for fundraising is to auction off a custom written piece of fanfic involving Jamie Fraser and Emmett, someone who I think is maybe from Twilight. I sort of hope it's not the willowy young bottom on the TV show Queer as Folk. So again, yeah, she's got some issues with gay people. Yeah. She put bottom in quotes. Screw her. Anyway. Plus, Emmett was amazing and adorable. Right. And how I, dare you? How oh dare God. you? You I should would, be so lucky that I it would, would be Emmett from Queer as Folk. Jamie Fraser yes. and Emmett oh from Queer as Folk. Oh, God. They'd be cute together. They'd be Anyway, she goes on that the person who's doing the fundraising does note that the article won't be slashed, but will otherwise take the bidder's tastes into account. And of course, all proceeds will go to Stacy's hospital expense fund. She did not naturally ask me about this. And, you know, a ton of the commenters on the post say that she should sue the people trying to fight cancer within an inch of their lives. Jeez. And so Paul Constant points out that Diana Gabaldon is a classy, classy New York Times bestselling author. Like, whoa. Right. Whoa. Right. Uh, Lady, it doesn't. You could be a little irritated because I guess it's your intellectual property or they're having characters do things that you wouldn't do. But come on. And then especially because you're particularly attacking someone who's trying to raise money for a friend with cancer. This is not the model case for you to go after like the fan fiction community. Yeah, that makes you like such a super villain. If she was getting mad, if someone was making money off of it somehow... But she clearly doesn't know who her her characters are or stay true to them anyway. So what does it matter if people are writing fan fiction and letting them do other things? So on that note, thank you so much for tuning in to anyone who tuned in. (laughs) (laughs) 
right. Yes. Right. And we don't thank the people who didn't tune in. No, they don't get any don't thanks at tell all. Them, don't tell them about this, guys, because that's you the thing. You should tell them. You should tell them they didn't get thanks. You oh, should tell no. them they were excluded from our gratitude. Okay. Um, you can contact us at, at wrongpod on Twitter. We also have a Facebook page and the email address that we still haven't looked up or possibly checked. I think we have wrongpod at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. We'll be that's back us. again. At some point. Eventually. <laughs> to talk about everything, everything that's wrong, wrong with, with something, something else. else. But a stable boy is acceptable. I'm no stable boy. I'm the Laird of Lallybroch.